0: welcome to the forensic cop podcast this is lfc core looking forward looking back so with the coronavirus having an impact on many games this past week i was thinking back to um previous seasons i'm talking about like in the previous century that may have been canceled or suspended due to
1: like the world war. Have we had any other pandemics in the past? So the only, so I actually looked into it. The only seasons in the EPL that have been canceled uh, previously were for world war one and world war two. In terms of the big five leagues, all leagues have previously had seasons canceled. Uh, The English league, obviously World War One, World War II, the German League as well, uh, French and Italian leagues for uh, the World Wars. Ironically, the Spanish League was never actually canceled for the World War. It was canceled from 36 to 39 for the Civil War. Uh, so they had a Civil War going on, but from 39 to 45, so during the World Wars when England was canceled, Spain was playing. But there is a precedent in terms of canceling the, uh, the season. So you know that 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 may potentially happen, but there's never been anything related to a pandemic. Really? So yeah, so there's there's never been a pandemic. Uh, it's only been the world wars. Okay. Uh, actually, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, one of the leagues, I want to say the Italian league, was was stopped for some other stuff, but that was not necessarily pandemic related. Uh, this is seems to be a bit of a unique situation. Uh, Again, you have to kind of keep in mind, you know, maybe 50 years ago or whatever it was, if there were uh, people who were sick, it might not have made the news. It might not have been as scary just because there wasn't as much information going out. And so now I think there's just more information going out. So people are a bit more scared, but governments are also a bit more aware. So they want to kind of nip it in the bud. So in terms of a pandemic that hasn't happened before, but they've canceled seasons so I guess the, the question comes down to if they cancel the season, what does it mean? So if you were a player and you were told that the season can't were canceled, what would you think?
0: I would be happy that I now have time to spend with my family and essentially have a, a pre-summer
1: break. So it really would be good in some ways. So players, the way it works is uh, unlike other leagues in the world, Uh, football players are essentially paid throughout the year so they're paid weekly throughout the year so if they play three games in a week or they play zero games in a week it doesn't make a lick of difference so they're gonna get their money so in terms of those things they're happy Uh, one of the things uh, they're not gonna get is they're not gonna get any bonuses that might be related to say winning a title right because there's no titles to be won if everything's cancelled so, from that point of view, they might lose some money, but their, their weekly wages are going to continue. Likewise, their commercial agreements, sponsors generally don't have a number of uh, games that need to be played. They will pay regardless. About the only thing that they might lose out on is maybe the top, top players who would potentially get like an additional bonus for winning uh, a. A personal award for maybe the most goals or for winning the golden boot or something like that uh, they would potentially lose out for the but for the majority of players it wouldn't really affect them when you look at players in Liverpool obviously a lot of them are getting extra money for winning Champions League for winning the EPL so While it might not affect most players out there, it might actually have some effect on the Liverpool players in terms of their final take-home pay. So even though they're getting their weekly wages, they might actually lose out a little bit if these seasons get cancelled. Another thing to consider, and this is kind of a minor thing, is uh, from a... Uh, physical, uh, medical point of view, uh, low body fat, so all of these guys are obviously exceptional low body fat, they're very fit, actually makes you uh, more likely to suffer from infectious diseases. It actually makes you more susceptible to them, and once you get them, you don't actually have the body fat to burn to fight off the disease, so an athlete may need to go for intravenous, uh, where your average person can just sit on the couch and get over it, so there is a bit more of a risk to uh, players than there might be for the average population if uh, to get sick and once they are sick
0: yeah but um i thought that being active and healthy boosts your immune system
1: so it does but uh low body fat and i mean you know we all saw it when salah took off his shirt and we were all kind of shocked that actually is not an ideal form of health so an ideal form of health. If you're like below three percent body fat, you're actually considered uh, extremely unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of these players might come in close to that number just because they're 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 burning so many calories and the what they there do, there they plus the them. stress out there mm-hmm. and all that. So yeah, you're right. So so. Again, I don't, I don't anticipate this damaging any of them, but it is worth noting that they may, might be more susceptible to catching said diseases. That being said, they probably get like 12 hours of sleep a night because we know that uh, Liverpool has instituted a, a, uh, uh, you know, a, a really good health system where they do monitor players even if they're at home. So they're making sure they're getting the sleep, they're making sure they're getting the exercise. But just as a side note, it might affect them. Uh, in terms of the footballing world in general, Uh, How do you think the fans are going to react to it? I think when the dust settles,
0: everybody will realize that this is more than a footballing decision, right? So initially it kind of sucks because, well, me as a Liverpool fan, I'm looking forward to Liverpool continuing this march towards the title, lifting the trophy in front of the tens of thousands of fans. But when it's all said and done, this is not the most important important thing in the world and uh, people's lives and people's health are much more important and whatever we need to do to contain this virus if it means turning off a few games for a season or i mean for a few weeks or the rest of the season that's a sacrifice that has to
1: be made for the greater good so i i would actually agree with that you just uh, you just kind of made me think of something i hadn't thought about before which is liverpool has not won a title in 30 years and we are all very excited to have them win this title. And in the current climate, there's no way there would be a championship parade. So, can you imagine? After 30 years of waiting, we wouldn't even get to stand in a crowd or watch from home and see a massive crowd uh, celebrate this team. It would kind of all be done quietly. It feels a little bit anticlimactic, if you ask me.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm trying to see. I, I, I can look at this two ways. It's. Either on the one hand, the fates are being cruel to us in that of all the years, this is the year that there has to be some type of suspension to the end of the season, uh robbing us of that joy of seeing them lift the trophy and and, and also celebrating it with their fans um but then, on the other hand, this is the only possible way that Liverpool could win a league in a shortened season, right win all these games up to this point, still win the trophy even if they they choose to suspend it after March.
1: That's true. I mean, if we were close, if if it was last year where Man City was a point up on us for the last six weeks or eight weeks or whatever it was, I don't remember offhand, then we would be looking at, uh, you know, do you crown a title? Whereas, you're right, this year, I mean, even if they end the season now I mean, there's no one that can ever say anything other than Liverpool clearly won this season. Right. So in a way, I do understand you. That's that's a good point. Um, what I would also say is uh, maybe there needs to be some consideration given to uh, sequestering kind of all of the football players and having them play in empty stadiums because, you know, there's uh, a lot of good that can come from sports. You know, people are maybe sick at home, suffering from the virus at home. Uh, it's nice to have kind of a break from the real world and watch a sports Uh, watch any kind of sport Uh, and I know for myself if if you told me I have to sit at home sick I would probably want to sit at home watching Liverpool play so in that way it would be good but I do understand and I agree with you I think the greater good uh, is served by making sure that this isn't transmitted Uh, Kind of you know me well enough to know that I'm not uh, as much as I I love Liverpool and I love the game and all that, uh, my mind always drifts to dollars and cents And so I kind of started thinking about what do the dollars and cents look like? Uh, Should we have kind of some issues with the coronavirus? And so at the end of the day, what we're really talking is there's kind of two scenarios. One is where games are played in front of empty stadiums. And one is where games are played in front of, or games are just canceled. If games are played in front of empty stadiums, what you're talking about is that your match day revenue is basically gone. Uh, Is that good or bad for Liverpool? it's kind of bad for Liverpool and the EPL the only team that makes more in match day revenue than Liverpool is Man U so other teams would lose money but they wouldn't lose as much money as Liverpool is losing um, so you know that's a bit of a problem in terms of costs all of your costs would remain the same in terms of player salaries so players are paid on a weekly basis all of those salaries would still need to be paid and uh, unfortunately That would have to come from somewhere so if you lose your match day revenue you need to kind of keep your other revenue streams going if at all possible the only thing that liverpool wouldn't need to pay is the additional money that is potentially riders in players contracts about you know winning champions league or something like that where they might pay less if there's no champions league uh, title uh, provided or maybe in allison's contract if it's about the number of clean sheets that he keeps if there's less games you know, he wouldn't necessarily reach that. So maybe that would be a bit less. Uh, the one revenue that uh, that would be interesting is the broadcast revenue. If they cancel games, Liverpool is going to lose broadcast revenue. So is everybody else. Uh, problem is, of course, Liverpool makes more broadcast revenue than everybody else in the world. So Liverpool is literally the number one team in broadcast revenue in the world. So if games stop being played, Liverpool is losing that money and other teams are kind of catching up to them. Uh, commercially, again, uh, similar to the players, there's not a lot of money that's going to be lost because uh, commercial deals are generally, uh, you know, they they are what they are and they're irrelevant to games. The only thing might be the additional bonuses that are generally several million pounds that are for winning Champions League or the EPL. So uh, that wouldn't be a huge hit. The one thing that would be really interesting that I kind of thought of and I have no legitimate answer for and and, uh, let me know what you think on this is the whole fair play rules so fair play says that you basically can't spend more money than you make well this year with cancellations with empty stadiums things like that teams are going to make less money and that is bound to affect how much money they can pay out for players so do you think that the rules will be changed to allow them to pay more or do you think the rules are going to stay the same, essentially forcing teams to play to pay less?
0: I I think that um, the rules are out the window um, if if and when the season is suspended or canceled altogether. Um, I think um, common sense will prevail, and they'll just have to. Reestablish establish um, what the ground rules are for how they judge teams. I mean, they may just give everybody a pass for this season, um, which is interesting because I wonder what they'll do in terms of relegations and promotions, right? But that's a whole different story. I mean, I that's, think there's a lot of things that, that that have to be addressed. So
1: that's a whole different story, but the revenue and the expense one is very interesting because really uh, Liverpool stand to gain. So it's not necessarily a one-year thing in fair play. It's a three-year average, so technically since liverpool didn't spend basically anything last summer they would be ready to spend this summer and they'd kind of have their three-year average going pretty well where other teams might not so it might actually give liverpool an advantage if they don't change the fair play rules liverpool may be one of the few teams that actually has money from a fair play point of view to spend this summer so that would be a competitive advantage that i don't think they would want to lose so again What's going to happen to fair play? Like you said, common sense might prevail or they might turn around and they might say, these are the rules. Everyone has to spend only what they earn, which is the concept of fair play. And if they stick with that, I actually think this gives Liverpool a bit of a competitive advantage going forward.
0: Facts and figures.
1: Okay, so uh, last week we looked at uh, the financials that uh, Liverpool released and the Deloitte report. Uh, this uh, This week, what I thought we would do is I thought we could take a look at the same report, but we could compare the last five years and see, you know, where has Liverpool come from? Again, last year had some good, or, compared to last year, we had some good and bad news. This year, uh, compared to the five years, there is a lot of good. Uh, again, the five years, why am I picking that? It's about when Klopp joined. And I think that uh, we can kind of take a look at where we were before Klopp and where we've gotten to now. Uh, in terms of overall, Liverpool has done very well overall. Uh, as an overall growth, we have uh, managed to grow significantly in the last uh, five years. That being said, uh, you know other teams have also grown, but we've actually grown more than any of the six teams in front of us. So we're seventh in overall revenue, and we've grown 54% in five years. Uh, Barcelona grew at 50%, and at basically everybody else was in the 30%. So we've actually done better than all of the teams in front of us, so we're gaining on them. Uh, the one caveat and the one thing that kind of brings us down a little bit is the fact that Tottenham grew actually over 100% in the last five years. A uh, large part of that is the fact that they've kind of come into the top tier and they're working and they're in Champions League. Also, that they've built their new stadium, so their match day revenue has gone up significantly. So, uh, just a little bit of a deeper dive. Again, we've gone up very well, but individual items kind of to talk about match day revenue. uh, Again, it's very hard to increase match day revenue for the simple fact that your stadium has X number of seats and you can charge X dollars for those seats. So, it is very difficult to change the amount of revenue you get from the seats. Every year, Liverpool is essentially getting between 1% and 5% revenue increase from each of those seats, and that's just the tickets going up. The one exception is in 2017-18 when they added the new addition to the main stand when there was a 15% increase in revenue. So that 15% increase in revenue brings us close to $100 million in revenue from the, uh, the match day and again, when you're looking at some of our competitors, they're significantly more than us. They're over 150 million, for example. Uh, and this is all in Euros because that's what the report is in. If you look at the EPL in particular, uh, Man U is ahead of us and nobody else is ahead of us. Tottenham is just behind us at 93. We're at 95. Um, and if you look at Man City, they're well behind us. So they're not even filling their stadium uh, in all their games. So Liverpool's at the point where we fill the stadium every, every game. Uh, There's not much more that we can grow it, which is why it is a great idea that you look at the addition that they want to make now to the cop end and they want to increase the stands by 7,500 seats. That will help the matchday revenue. Again, you're talking probably a 10 to 12 million uh, euro increase, and that's very important in terms of the revenue stream. That would put us into the nine figures in matchday revenue. Again, we wouldn't be the top one of the top clubs but we would definitely be closing the gap. Uh, kind of one of the interesting ones was PSG, who in five years grew their revenue almost 50% on match day, even though they didn't add any extra seats, and they actually have less seats than Liverpool, they're, tr- they're making more money off it. And that essentially comes from the fact that they can just charge more money for being in Paris, where Liverpool doesn't have that affluent population to charge for the games. So again, match day revenue, the team is doing a great job. Uh, they're wonderful to watch. But again, Liverpool was supporting its team even before we were champions of the world. They're supporting them now, so there's not a ton of growth there unless those new seats are built. Another revenue is the broadcast revenue. So this is essentially the amount of money that's on uh, how often Liverpool is broadcast, what games they're playing in. That's really what dictates it. Uh, obviously, Liverpool has done a great job. Uh, that's, there's an 82% growth in revenue in the last five years, which is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Not to put a downer on it, but you look at um, Tottenham, and Tottenham's actually up 122% in five years. Man U uh, is up uh, as well, Man City's up. Um, So there are other clubs that are all doing much better. A primary part of that reason is because Champions League has changed their formula for cash distribution. They are making a ton of money, and so because of that, kind of all the teams have gone up. But again, Liverpool has gone up more than most, but not as much as some. So in a way, you know, it's uh, it's it's a good news in that we've gone up that much. But like I said, Manu has gone up more than us. Bayern has gone up more than us, um, and uh, Tottenham has gone up significantly more than us. So overall, great number. We've finally gotten into the, the league with the big boys. In fact, Liverpool is now making more uh, broadcast revenue than any other team in the world. So we're number one. That's the great news. The not so great news is that other teams have also increased significantly. And the even worse news is basically we need to uh, maintain this. So there's basically no way we can make more match uh, more broadcast revenue than we're currently making because... That broadcast revenue is coming from making it to the Champions League final. It's coming from basically every single one of our EPL games being on TV. So it can kind of only go down from there. So it's not necessarily the best situation in that way. But at least we were number one in the world for that. So that's a good uh, addition to the bottom line. The final revenue or the final stream of revenue that's considered is is the commercial revenue. So Liverpool has done a bit of a good and bad job in terms of commercial revenue. Uh, We've grown at 38% over the last five years. That 38% is a bit misleading because of the 38%, 23% was in the last year. So Liverpool didn't really do much with their revenue for kind of the first four years of that. And then the last year, there's clearly been a focus put in. The team is doing fantastically well and the marketing department is, is... focusing on building the brand is focusing on generating revenue. I mean you can take a look at something as simple as the uh, the YouTube uh, clip that they had of uh, Hendo leading the the players or a selection mm-hmm. of players in advertising the the coconut water. Uh, those type of things are the type of things that will garner clicks, will gain popularity and will kind of do, uh, a good thing for Liverpool commercial revenue. It gets their name out. Um, so I don't know. Did you see that one? I did. I, th- I think I think we all saw that. And um,
0: yeah, it was quite amusing, well put together. And um, yeah, I thought that was a really, really good commercial.
1: So again, I think Liverpool is fairly new in the YouTube area. I think a lot of teams are fairly new in the YouTube area. I know that you're looking at teams like Barcelona, for example, who put together that uh, series series. Uh, about, you know, what the team's doing, how the dressing room's doing, and it included that one where uh, the dressing room after they lost to Liverpool. You know, those are the types of things that Liverpool needs to think about doing. I know Klopp doesn't like those, about uh, showing the dressing room, but those may be the type of things that help drive commercial revenue. Uh, Again, as well as Liverpool's doing, there are other teams, uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid, who grew at 57% of 44%, so more than us. Barcelona in particular did a great job. They brought their marketing in-house. And so that seems to have given them a big jump. And at the end of the day, when you're really talking at uh, you know commercial revenue, Barcelona's at almost double the revenue that we have. Uh, Barcelona's at 384 million euros. We're at 211 million euros. So they are making, like I said, almost double. And that's really an area where Liverpool needs to work on. Uh, again, Last year, was fantastic. We went up 23%, which is more than everybody else. So we need to kind of work to build on that. Overall, uh, the financials over the last five years have definitely transformed. Liverpool are looking good. Uh, They've done a great job. They've increased more than everybody else at 54%. But there's still a lot of work that needs to be done to get us to join the big boys, which uh, is really the the big three is going to be Real Madrid, Barcelona and Man U, and we have some more work to do to get there. And really, the the primary amount of work needs to be done in the commercial revenue while keeping that broadcast revenue high. So we need to keep winning games, but at the same time, we need to get our name out there. I think the Nike deal is going to do a great job of helping get our name out and helping uh, make Liverpool more of a household name, and hopefully, that should help in terms of the commercial revenue and the other ancillary commercial opportunities that come from having a big name and big players critique and commentary so i remember a couple weeks ago you had mentioned
0: that there may be some type of relationship between the number of fouls liverpool commits and the outcome of our games whether we win or lose or draw
1: Um, were you able to put a little bit more thought and analysis into that so i did um originally uh you know as with anything it, it starts off as a hypothesis and then uh you're not really sure if it'll work out. Uh, shockingly, this one worked out a lot better than I thought it would. Um, there's clearly an absolute relationship between fouls and Liverpool games in general and Liverpool fouling more than opponents and wins and losses. So let's kind of work through the numbers um, you know, one by one as I found them. So the league average uh, fouls per game is just over 105 uh, in terms of games that Liverpool play in, Liverpool fouls about 8.29 fouls per game. Opponents are 8.11. So basically, Liverpool and opponents combine for almost five fewer fouls a game than any other game, which is kind of shocking. Uh, again, these type of things tend to be fairly standardized. But it looks like Liverpool games just happen to have fewer fouls. Uh, so that was kind of the the first observation that came up. So what I did is I took uh, the Liverpool EPL games, Champions League games, FA Cup, and the the Carabo Cup matches. And I looked at how many fouls per game do we does Liverpool commit? How many fouls per game do the opponents commit? And what's the difference? So in wins and ties, the numbers actually came out the same. So the difference is... more uh, fouls that the opponents commit than Liverpool. So that was, uh, you know, it's again, it's fairly standard in the difference. What is different between the two is in wins, Liverpool commits almost uh, two fouls less than they commit in ties. So clearly when the game gets more physical, there are more fouls, Liverpool is more likely to tie. Uh, Now in terms of the losses, that's when the number completely changes. So again wins and ties Liverpool fouls uh, almost a foul less than opponents in Games that Liverpool loses which aren't a lot but enough to come up with a statistical number Liverpool fouls Almost three and a half times more not sorry three and a half times has three and a half more fouls than opponents so in total Uh, Between wins and losses, Liverpool has a variance of four fouls compared to opponents. So basically, if Liverpool is fouling more than opponents, um, they are more likely to lose is what it kind of looks like from those numbers. Which is something, again, why are they fouling more? What's happening? Uh, That one's kind of up for debate. But it's very clear that in wins, they foul just under eight fouls per game. In ties, they foul almost 10 fouls per game. And in losses, they foul over 10 fouls a game. So it looks like there's a bit of a trend that you need to try to get Liverpool to foul more. And then you're more likely to have a chance to win.
0: But I wonder if it's the chicken and the egg situation, right? So is it that you need to get Liverpool to foul more and then they stop
1: playing well? Or is it that they're fouling more because they're not playing well? So again, I think a a bit of that's up for debate. I think Liverpool is a um, a veteran team at this point. I mean, they won the title last year. They won the Club World Cup. They're going to win the EPL title. So this is not a rookie team that can maybe be as affected um, by the score in a game, or at least you'd hope they're not because they would keep driving for a win. Uh, what I kind of noticed when I watched the Atletico game, what I noticed when I watched the Watford game is I just, I don't think they react well to, uh, other teams diving. I think it gets under their skin. I think you saw that with Mane in the Atletico game where, um, Klopp had to pull Mane off because he was worried he would get a red card. So I, I do understand the chicken and the egg argument, but at the same time, I'm thinking, you know what? Uh, this may be a situation where you can get under their skin and that will help you win. So in terms of, does it help you win? I said, okay, so we now have the number of fouls, average fouls per game, but what if we look at just each individual game? And this kind of came out more shocking. So Liverpool this year has lost five games. Um, again, the athletical game, uh, second leg is still to be played, but they've lost five games so far. Uh, In terms of games that they've won, it's about half-half. Liverpool have more fouls than opponents, less fouls than opponents, about half-half. Nothing significant there. In games tied, similar. Uh, Nothing significant. In games lost, this is where it's kind of crazy. Liverpool have lost five games, and in every single one of those games, Liverpool has fouled more than their opponent. Again, in total games, in average fouls, they actually foul less than opponents um, in, in their wins, but in their losses, in every single loss, they fouled more than their opponents. So it seems like Liverpool either, um, if you kind of get them emotional, if you get them upset and they start fouling, it gets them out of their game. Or if you get ahead of them and they don't know how to handle it, it gets them out of their game. But I'd argue against that one because, uh, we've seen Liverpool come back a few times this year. They fall behind, they're able to come back. I think you saw that in the Bournemouth game where they got behind early, they were able to come back. Uh, So I don't necessarily think it's the falling behind. I think if teams play a certain way, I think it gets to Liverpool. So I don't know, have you you noticed that? I mean, in the Athletico game, I think it was clear uh there was a lot of diving, there was a lot of badgering the ref into making those type of calls, uh, you know, kind of giving Atletico a little bit of an advantage, and I don't think Liverpool handled that very well.
0: Yeah, I, I I have noticed that trend. Um, looking at these numbers, I'm also wondering whether when we're playing well and winning, we're just focusing on our strengths and not really concerning ourselves with the opponent. Um but then when we do spend more time focusing on the opponent, as opposed to our game, we tend to foul more
1: and then we inevitably lose. So I, I think there's a lot to be said for that. I think, I think you may have hit it on the head, which is when I think the game's not necessarily going our way. I think that you see an increase in the number of dives and the number of you know looks to the ref to try to get, get that call. Whereas when the game's going the right way, We are committed to playing our way. We don't really care what's going on. We're not looking to the ref to bail us out. We just play our way, and our way has nothing to do with fouls. Um, So, you know, again, uh, I mean, think of that one play where uh, Salah got an assist from uh, uh, Allison, and he got the ball just past midfield, and he basically fought off the defender with one arm, and he had absolutely no intention of going down. That's the kind of play that we need to make Uh, to win. Mm -hmm. Whereas if he had gone down, he'd looked at the ref, he was trying to get a card. I think that's when we're not in our element. And I think when we get into that type of play, I think that's when, you know, we're we're not playing how we need to play. And that's where you see all five losses that we've had this year come from those exact situations where we're looking for the call maybe because the game's not going our way. We're getting calls against us and we want those even up calls. And I think that that's working against us and we're, that's that's kind of the way to lose the game. One of the things I would say is, you know, as much as I don't like it, as much as I think the dark arts shouldn't be a part of the soccer game, you have to give it to uh, Atletico Madrid. Uh, they clearly figured that out. They clearly figured out that the way to knock Liverpool off their perch was to get into their heads and get them concerned about the fouls and get the ref on your side, and I think they did a good job of that. Um, And so, you know, again, they won that first leg uh, because they they looked at stats. I think they've seen these stats and they played to those strengths.
0: For more stories, analysis and articles, go to the ForensicCup.com website.